0: Why does my face look so washed out? It looks good to me. I look like a piece of paper.
1: There's there's always a moment where we're just bullshitting where I can feel like I can see in JP's eyes like, okay, the episode just started. And I think I see it there. (laughs) The cold open is why does my face look so washed up? (laughs) This is the first time I've looked in a digital mirror in my entire life. (laughs) Every every week I say I'm going to get my ring light ready so that the light isn't reflecting off of my stuff in the background so hard. But then uh, uh, life happens. I get lazy. It's so hard to set up a ring light. Right, it is. It's hard to set up a ring light, guys. It's already snowing outside. No, October thirtieth.
0: I saw that. I looked at Minneapolis weather's today.
1: Minnesota's quarterback doesn't have an Achilles. Give me a fucking. Who's the backup?
2: Sean Mannion.
1: Sean Mannion. Now Sean Mannion is the backup. Who came in for uh, Kirk was fifth round draft pick jaron hall out of oh nice so. oh not nice you guys are getting like an inch of snow tonight yeah oh i know dude that sounds so cold <laughs> it's not it's not warm it's so early we were at we haven't had October a snow of, for a week a ago I know when take it was me back to Stadium degrees. Swim. take me back to stadium swim and never let me leave why did you <laughs> let me leave Benny <laughs> life, life was easy then that is true bye week sunshine uh, yeah, we didn't lose that week
2: yeah we didn't Dude. win though either so not also not
1: still recorded well it depends Benny won at top golf I'm talking about the beads I know. Dude, my wrist. Your, <laughs> your are I know what you're my yeah.
0: wrist is still hurting. My wrist is still hurting. turns
1: yeah. out when you swing a golf club and use muscles in your wrist that you haven't used in 15 years.
0: <laughs> I think it was because my uh, the club keep clunking the ground before it hit the ball and it? it felt like it broke my wrist. Yeah, yeah. that'll happen. Beaver Twitter was worse than usual on Saturday night. It was so
1: bad. Beaver, you know how like you haven't, you were kept hitting the ground at Top Golf because you hadn't... Swango Golf Club since high school, you said, right? Yeah, about it. It been that. a really long time. Mm-hmm. Beaver Twitter reacted to the Oregon State-Arizona game like we haven't had a disappointing loss in the desert in 15, 20 years. <laughs> not that any of the frustration isn't valid. I'm not here to diminish anyone's feelings, but it is a measure of how far you've come when <laughs> that loss inspires the doomsday stuff. And like I said, I mean, I, I, I think there's a bit of overreaction happening. But as I, I texted you guys, this is maybe a pretty pathetic gesture of anger. I threw an empty miniature fireball <laughs> plastic bottle <laughs> across my garage as hard as I can.
0: Nice.
1: And, and it did <laughs> nothing, nothing happen. Because yeah. <laughs> But I did, like, pause Uh. immediately afterwards. It's like, (laughs) I I didn't have a father who did that kind of thing. But I could see myself in some, like, Shakespearean horrible drama where you have that, like, drunken rage moment, whatever. And then the second afterwards, you're just like, I'm just like him. I'm just like him. <laughs> I'm not
2: even as close as good as he was. He could break the bottle.
1: I know. It was, and then I kicked the lawn chair after that, and that made me feel better. Wow. But you were on a path <laughs> of destruction. I wanted to destroy every indestructible item oh. that, that's, that stood in, in my way in the garage. Um, but, yeah, you know, this final score of the game, Arizona 27. Your Oregon State Beaver is 24 uh, score of this episode 114 that's episode 114 of the belligerent beeves podcast thank you for tuning in beaver fam from wherever you are hope you are recovering nicely hope you are doing well uh despite the football team's loss and the uh tumbling down the poles the no longer in control of our own destiny mm. and needing needing some help mm. to don't we all get to where we want to go but yeah We all need help. And I know we do have some listeners in Minnesota, but most of you aren't. And if you aren't, it is probably not snowing where you are on this beautiful, dark and cold Monday, October 30th, 2020. This is Terry's cry for help. So if it's not snowing where (laughs) you are, at least feel a little bit good about that. And I like winter, but it's
0: too early. Not even Halloween. Does it snow in Minneapolis before Halloween often,
1: So the year the Twins won the World Series, and I apologize for this already, but there's the famous Halloween blizzard of 1991 where it just dumped – and it still has so much local lore. Like, the old heads love talking about the Halloween blizzard of 1991. I do remember, there are photos of me going trick or treat on that night. No one had costumes on. They did have costumes on, but they just had coats and mittens and hats and scarves covering <laughs> up everyone's costumes. <laughs> I think we probably went, I was three and my sister was six, so I think we just, like, went around the block, which is probably what we would have done anyway. Uh, so yeah, it has happened. Like this isn't like totally strange, but it is annoying because it's also been really nice at this time in October. And mm. God damn it! It's not it's not what I needed after you took you took away Oregon State as a one loss giant. You took away my professional quarterback's Achilles, and now you're giving me snow. But that all can wait because we have uh, a, a gift that beats all of those negative things uh you know to a pulp here. Uh something that we are very, very privileged to have. Just in the zoom now, Oregon State Associate Athletic Director of External Operations, Beaver Immortality, Sarah Elcano. Sarah, I normally pause and give a bit more time for an introduction there, but you just jumped in the Zoom as I was complaining about things. It's snowing in Minneapolis, Minnesota, <laughs> where I live right now. So I'm I'm moping. and But seeing you on the Zoom on this episode of Legend Peeps podcast is making all of us, and me specifically, very, very happy. So thank you so much for being here. How are you?
3: I'm great. Happy to be here. Happy that there is not snow in the forecast for Boulder when we will be there.
1: Oh, that is good. Uh-oh. I mean, that is a flip. Benny asked me if it ever snows before Halloween in Minnesota, and it, it has a couple of times boulder is is a place where that that could happen
0: so i went to the game in boulder two years ago and i think it was around the same time and it was beautiful in boulder boulder is an awesome spot it it
1: really is it really is uh and thankfully we have an awesome forecast uh for that game um, for our Beeves um to get back on track. But first of all, we gotta get to our honored guest here again, Sarah Elcano. Thank you so much. Am I pronouncing your last name right, by the way? I was you are you're in the minority.
3: You got it correct. Good job. Perfect.
1: Perfect. <laughs> um we were getting a we got like a volleyball coach Lindsay Bahanik's last name wrong for like like nine consecutive episodes. So <laughs> we're, we 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 need to, we need to get we've got some good graces to, to win back. Um but happy to be getting yours right. Um first of all, thank you for joining joining the episode and also thank you so much for everything you do uh for oregon state uh this year has been i'm going to guess it's been probably the craziest of your i believe 12 or 13 years you've been associated with the athletic department you know new stadium realignment drama like all kinds of stuff um but first of all we just wanted to offer you thanks for all all of your tireless support for Oregon State Athletics, and for taking some time to join us three knuckleheads on on the pod uh, this evening. Um, but so, just first of all, like, how is this fall uh, treating you um, with how all of the exciting things that have been going on? What has this uh, semester been like, and how has it differed from previous fall seasons of, of the past during your time in Corvallis?
3: It's been it's been wildly different. Um, so it is, you know. I think I'm closing in. I'll be finishing my thirteenth year in December. So okay. starting year 14 okay so you can kind of track which which seasons I've been through with which programs and the Mm. ups and the downs and you know waiting for this stadium to open wondering if this project would ever get done or if I would still work at Oregon State when it did um, so it, it's been a, a really complex intersection of all of these elements in, in one fall. And overwhelmingly positive still, but certainly, you know, it's it's a great thing to be opening a new side of the stadium, but there's a lot that goes into that, right? And so there are a lot of complications behind the scenes leading up to it, um, still working through some kinks on that side then you throw in a really successful football program right now, and so you don't wanna miss a moment, right? I've been through some tough seasons. You wanna take advantage of the hot strengths, the moments that you can capitalize on, and then you throw in realignment in the background. And so it's, it's, it's definitely more layered than any season I've ever been through, but I would say without a doubt, have never felt the support from beaver nation like this season before and not that it's been bad before but just most overwhelming um and i think you know helpful for staff that's thinking about realignment you know daily to know that that beaver nation's there we're gonna sell out we're gonna sell out stanford here soon it's like 500 tickets left
0: nice Um, oh wow
3: you dubs already into sro so we will be able to say we sold out this entire season at home which is you know it's tremendous that's
2: awesome on that i'm curious because like with the sellouts with the attention all the stuff that's going on. You guys are still like iterating quite a bit on the game day experience uh, on top of the whole you know factor of an uh, entire new side of the stadium just opened up. Like how does that how does that work for you guys? How does kind of the, the game day atmosphere ideation how has it evolved this season? Like I mean this isn't this season new, but for example like last year with the tail slap being introduced, like What's that process look like and like what kind of stuff maybe has Beaver Nation not realized has been introduced this year as a kind of a new factor of game day?
3: They come to fruition in a variety of ways and sometimes the strangest ways. You know, maybe someone on staff sees one comment on social media or there's a trend on social media and, you know, maybe we don't see the exact thing, but it's like, okay, they're They're really seeking an additional fan interactive moment in game, and then you know we've talked about in different meetings. We don't do we utilize the tail enough? The beaver tail is so unique. Do we utilize that enough? And that was where that one kind of came together. It was just sort of a think tank session with some staff that that has moved along. I might be the last one. Keith and I might be the last one left that were in the room for that one. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, they all come different ways. Fan experience committee is a group that's about twenty. Um, Different ones have come from there. Every once in a while, a coach. Um, I never give them play calling ideas, but they sometimes bring me fan experience ideas and they have great (laughs) ones sometimes. So, so, you know... I think the key to it, you got to be open to going to other stadiums and seeing ideas. Not that you're going to steal on eye, but maybe it's, oh, they're doing something like that. We could do something similar, but on brand for us. So I think it's just knowing that it's not perfect. It can always improve. You're always competing with the home experience and watching on TV, on the couch. And so you have to keep continuously keeping it fresh and adding new elements.
0: Going off of what JP and Terry had talked about, the fan experience, along with the new side of the stadium, but the fan experience has improved Right so much over the course of the last five years, but specifically this year. Uh, And we've talked about that a lot. Um, But for you and your team, have you guys had a chance to step back and and sort of acknowledge how great the fan experience has become compared to what it was five years ago? And and just what's the general vibe within your team? Are you guys still looking to add more? Um, Just what's the general vibe with your team?
3: I think, you know, we'll look probably after the season ends and really assess, go back through every game survey, and really assess you know look for trends and see where we think what what really resonated what do we want to keep Um, what has a sponsor attached to it that that went really well what has a sponsor attached to it that maybe fell a little bit short and so we want to keep that sponsor but we might want to you know, go back to them with a different proposal for their activation in game. Because that you know, that's one of the elements that we don't entirely control. We have to make it fit for the sponsor. You guys are gonna pick All up any right. kids in the background. I'm sorry. Oh,
2: that's so- <laughs> totally <be> fine. <laughs> that was- I've got kids, I uh- get it.
1: There have been far more <laughs> disruptive surprise yeah. guests on this podcast. We're
3: a little <laughs> wild here right now. Um excited for trick-or-treating tomorrow. But yeah, I think it's you know, assessing it when the season's done, but celebrating the successes it is so important. And I think, you know, right now we're moving so fast. Um, We're down staff a little bit, you know, and so even more credit to those on the front lines who are executing some of this stuff because we're doing it with less bodies. Um, But it's just like a quick mention in a meeting by me. I throw something on Slack. I share some of the nicest comments that I see on social or blogs, uh, emails that people take time to send. I try to share those so that they, you know, they know that people actually care because um, it matters. It helps to have some of that positive reinforcement to keep going sometimes.
0: Well, and and I will say just from our end, I mean, we, we were in school in, you know, 2005 in to 2010 19, 60, or 11. Or so. uh, but, but our conversations used to revolve around, gosh, I wish they would do this. Or gosh, mm-hmm. like, I wish they would switch this around. And now it's almost exclusively, oh, my gosh, I can't believe they're doing that. Or, oh, I didn't even know. So that. Cool that's, we're doing that's really this cool. Now. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it has been a complete 360 from from where we're at. So just on behalf of us, thank you and and your team. Yeah, no, oh,
3: that's great to hear. Yeah, I think you also have to know when something falls flat, though. Like we're we're due for one here soon that we try and we miss, and it's going to be somebody's you know just absolute love their idea and it's going to fall flat, and then you just have to be humble enough to know you gave it a shot. Didn't quite work, and we're
2: gonna move on to the next big wow moment. I got, sure. I got one. I'll, I have to interject here because my, I told my six, almost seven year old that we were gonna be talking to you, and I said, do you have any ideas about game day that you'd like to see or some feedback? <laughs> and uh, one thing that he actually, I didn't even realize he picked up about what us three like to say uh, for Deshaun Fenwick, because we always say like, you know, flowers for Fenwick. Fenwick deserves his flowers, <laughs> right? He needs to shine. Uh, and so the other night when Fenwick had a, a carry, he said. Oh, flowers for Fenwick, you know? And I was like, ah, you're listening. That's interesting. I like
3: it. It's catchy.
2: And now, but he knows, he loves the party in the USA. He's a big fan of that playing uh, in the stadium. Uh, But he wanted me to at least ask uh, if potentially when Deshaun Fenwick gets a touchdown, if we play flowers by Miley,
1: uh, so that way it's flowers oh, for Fenwick. Well, yeah. Your six-year-old's knowledge of the Miley Cyrus catalog is amazing to me. I,
0: <laughs> I was like, I'll Sorry to get off topic, Sarah, but I.
1: <laughs> there
3: we go. I was going to go. Isn't there a Tom Petty song, Wildflower?
2: Wild wild oh, yeah, wild is There's that one too. Yeah. Let's just do it. Yeah. That's a classic too. All right. Yeah. We
3: can we can sneak it in there. So. Yeah.
1: If it falls flat though, don't blame my child. You can blame me. <laughs> <laughs> There's, I th- feel like there are a lot of flower-based songs, if you, if you go back long enough. Um, yeah. And not to make this uh, just uh, a podcast episode where we're just asking you for things, Sarah, but you mentioned <laughs> positive ideas, things happening on social media, and sometimes this needed a sponsorship attached. This is kind of a confluence of all of those things. If a sponsor is needed... To make Start a Frenzy at Paul Lorenzi official for either the student section or any part of uh, the men's and women's soccer activations, we can be 100% on board.
3: I love that.
1: We saw it a couple (laughs) of times, and it was honestly maybe the most excited I've ever been to see anything on social media. Uh, We mentioned it to Coach Sinicola when we had her on the show a while back. She's due for a revisit, so we have to get that on board. But was that
3: just someone's idea that they tossed out or that was yours yeah,
1: our- your <laughs> yeah. uh, ours ours but also mine ah, importantly yes. ours but most importantly mine and we, we <laughs> had like three or four we were asking coach what she would thought and she said i, I like frenzy at paula and we've seen it used on a, a couple i think it was is it was women's soccer Twitter feed JP There was a tweet. And then there was
2: also I think like a marketing email about tickets.
1: There's a graphic or two. And
2: yeah. I'm we're gonna like,
3: oh. for that. But if we we plant this seed with Keith, you guys, just watch it. Keith takes my worst half baked ideas and just makes them brilliant.
0: Cool. Right.
1: <laughs> we'll be we'll be indebted to the athletics department forever <laughs> for that. And there's not many high rolling potential donors out there, quite like the bulletproof <laughs> beef. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding, of course. But yes, that would that would be fantastic, and we we love men's and women's soccer, and you know, Dolby's team is doing great this season. So always <laughs> want to throw as much support and creativity. To the pitch that we can
3: absolutely we got to pump up that last one for both of them right big rivalry for the women right and potentially a conference title on the line for the men so a couple big ones left
1: for sure exciting times and anyone who's ever listened to this show before knows that we are big fans of uh of a former maybe not former anymore but it's uh, it's Murky mascot uh, associated with Oregon State University. You knew we were going to ask you about this, <laughs> I, um, I, I so I don't think terrify. we're throwing anything out. First of all, our main question, how is Bernice Beaver doing? Uh, I know it was a lot to, for her to step out of her retirement, but is was it an overwhelming experience for her? Is she doing all right? And uh, what what is she up to uh, since making her triumphant return to the field on homecoming weekend?
3: She's thriving, and she's already been back. So she made an appearance yes. at trick or treat at Gill. Uh, oh so wow! Back, yeah. So okay. I think she's thrilled, and she's uh, definitely contemplating semi-retired status, meaning that she's working on a schedule for the rest of the athletic year that that she would oh, be willing oh, to publicize, oh. so that fans will know in advance which events she will be in attendance at.
1: That's very cool. That's, that awesome. that's awesome. That's maybe a. Uh... That's breaking news on the Belligerent Podcast. <laughs> AP, play the breaking news sounds. I don't think we have one, but <laughs> we, we
2: never, the lasers and that. the
1: construction noises and whatever—something <laughs> new. That's great to hear, Sarah. And also, just a little—I know so much work went into that, more so than anyone could really realize. So we don't need to get too in the weeds on that, but just how did the Bernice return? Like, really, really come together, and what were some of the sort of intricacies involved in that process? That uh, fans may may not quite uh, understand just from the outside looking in.
3: It has been contemplated for, for several years now. And, you know, I, I will be candid. I was one of the leaders in the hesitancy initially. And not for, you know, only for reasons of managing a mascot program on the back end um, is not full of glory. And every time you have to deny a request, it breaks somebody's heart, um, it's tough to do. You gotta get enough, right? Um, hopefully your your youth audience is not strong. You have to get enough students to fill those suits. Um, the suits are expensive. If you guys are looking to break off and start a new business, get into the mascot suit business. <laughs> stuff. Things run pretty high. So, you know, it was contemplated for a while and then really intended on doing it this year. Um, planned to start prepping that in August and then realignment hit and uh, my days changed drastically. And so the decision was actually finalized about eight days before the UCLA game. And I decided, you know what, I think the fans need this. Um, I think the staff can handle it. It's throwing a lot at them on a short time period. Um, but I think the fans need it and it's going to go really well. And so then for the staff, it's going to be rewarding as well. So it's kind of one of those all the way around a win scenarios. And so, yeah, refurbished the original head, um, intention is to keep that for the remainder of the year, right. Kind of in, in honor to the throwback. And then we are looking to update the head. So it's, it's more similar to Benny, but it's, but it's Bernice that would be next fall.
2: Nice. Nice. So she'll even be making a return
1: next uh, athletic calendar year. I love all of this sort of future talk.
2: She's Uh,
3: back. She's (laughs) back forever. I think we'll always keep her kind of semi-retired, but back forever. So not at every single event like Vinny is. Always somewhat present, but never fully there. And I'm working on the taglines, right? right? It's something when we update the head, how are we going to explain that? And it's like semi-retired looks good on Bernice. Right. That's like more (laughs) interesting
1: for a mascot too. You can do more with like the backstory. Like it would be kind of funny if there was this – Oh, like if they're like you didn't know that a mascot was going to be there every single game
3: right right and so then i don't know the, the, oh the i like
0: that
3: list, um i you know i think there's going to be some merchandise coming around
0: oh um, nice
3: we're going to monetize bernice uh not the reason for bringing her back but we don't <laughs> want to um and then i yeah i i was overwhelmed by the amount of i think especially i don't want to say older alums that's going to make me feel old too but the alums in the age range that it really resonated with, as well as the young girls. I Just the number of people that reached out to, uh, you know, a lot of staff saying this meant so much. And I have daughters, right? I'm a female, and I didn't even realize how impactful that was going to be for so many people. So that's why I think it's important. Obviously, not everyone was in attendance at that one football game. So mm-hmm. I think it'll be additionally powerful to have her at a couple women's basketball games, a couple gymnastics meets, and you really start to think about how many little girls are in attendance at those. And I mean that's just that's as good as it gets
2: for me in this job yeah yeah i, I mean i dropped you a note afterwards because I, I didn't i didn't anticipate this happening but like my daughter had that same very very real experience of like i'm terrified of benny he's the scariest thing on the planet just because he's a giant furry beaver that she doesn't see every day and then she sees Bernice and it was like a, a dramatic shift in like the way that she wanted to approach her. She wanted to give her a hug. She was so excited. She didn't stop talking about her, brought her up multiple times, asked to see her again. So, I mean, even at two years old, right? Like that's clearly impactful for her. And, um, I thought maybe she was just like, Oh, it's another fun mascot. Cool. Like I'm excited for it. But I think, it, I think it went deeper for that for her just cause that she could identify with her a little bit more. Um, I have a question about UCLA and the game uh, and uh, it, like going into the consideration for bringing back Bernice. Did you guys talk to any other schools? Because UCLA has Josie Bruin, right? So she's kind of involved with Joe Bruin. I know there's some other schools that have a pair of mascots. So did, did any of those conversations happen or did you guys look into just kind of how they operate and get ideas from that?
3: couple years ago we reached out to at least all the west coast schools that that have multiple mascots maybe they have like a senior and a junior nevada has yep. like wolf and wolfie junior right and so we reached out and kind of learned how they managed it on the back end how often did the other ones make appearances so i still had some of that information saved um but this really was a we had done the homework we had done it years ago let's we just we just need to decide we're doing it and let's do it
0: yeah that's awesome. no. Uh, You had alluded before that you weren't necessarily on board at the beginning of these conversations. But just high level, um, what were the reasons, A, that uh, sort of brought you over to the other side of being in favor of it? And just what were, I guess, the overarching reasons in general as to how that conversation even started?
3: Yeah, initially, you know, I can't remember initially why we started even considering it. If it was a fan ask or we have several alums on staff, maybe it was one of them who brought it up. Um, the initial hesitancy was mostly the logistics, the the cost, the management of the program. And then as we really dove into it and got close kind of the first and second time around genuine concern, right. For in, at the time 2000, I might be off 2019, you know, now to 2023, how do you bring back a female mascot and do it right and not, you know, ginger size her too much? Right when you really think back to like female mascots from the 60s 70s 80s it was very obvious hair bows huge eyelashes most of the time you know the uniforms were very similar a lot of times in cheer uniforms the entire time no matter what event they were at so we you know we were hesitant because we didn't want to mess that up and kind of because of what i just said right it was going to be so impactful for so many young girls you want to make sure you do it right and so there's a lot of thought um, multiple staff, a couple who were amazing. They might not want me to say their names. And I'm like, I'm not the person to style her. I need, I need someone, I'm gonna put her in a hoodie and, and basketball shorts. Um, I need somebody else to style her. So, so you know, a couple of our females on staff helped with that. And it's like, okay, it needs to be Nike, right? And how do you do this? She's sporty and she's back, um, but distinguished from Benny, right? Draw, Draw a big difference there. So that's a piece as we go forward. And like I said, this was a make the decision. And you know what? We'll figure out some of these details as we go. Because as we get into some of these other events, you know, at women's basketball, women's basketball uniform, why not? Um, but what's kind of that neutral uniform that, that she'll have going forward? Benny, when he makes random appearances, his default is the football uniform. Um, so for Bernice, you know, we're leaning towards, if not exactly what she came out with wearing at homecoming UCLA game, something really similar to that. Um,
0: she did look good. She had a dope outfit. Um, yeah. I was yeah. jealous immediately. I have one last question, and that is, uh, there is all this talk about how Oregon State and Washington State may get the assets to the Pac-12. If that goes into the athletic department and funnels into uh, your organization, are there ideas that you guys have that are held back by financial barriers, and could those potentially come into fruition uh, if the um, budget was boosted a little bit?
3: Yeah, I think there's always pieces out there there, right, Um, where we're trying, you know, we'll go through a budget cycle, even in a normal year. And, you know, we make asks in a marketing budget or a creative budget. um, And when push comes to shove, you have to pick, you have to prioritize. And that's how we end up with maybe, you know, one or two really big wow things each year. Um, There's one, I'm trying to think of how much I want to tease it, Um, it falls along the lines of the chainsaw. It has something to do with the chainsaw, that would be a powerful visual in stadium. Um, and that's one that I'm, you know, if we can get, if we can get the dollars behind that one, I would love to get that off ground. That would be the, the biggest visual change to research for next year. Ooh. There's other smaller things. We painted the walls behind the student section black. That this looks year.
0: really good. It looked, yes. Right? Agreed. Yeah. So like
3: one of my pet peeves, I think I said this earlier today on the Joe Beaver show. One of my pet peeves is blank concrete in, in stadiums and you don't want to overbrand, oversaturate but it's, it, it can be missed opportunities, especially when it's on the televised side of the stadium, right? It's impactful for those in the stadium, but it's also how you look on TV. And so being able to paint all the blank blank concrete black, but then brand some of it as well is a place that I'd like to get when you When you look at the new West side right now, now it just makes other parts of the stadium stick out that I never noticed before. Yeah. Um, so now, now your mind starts thinking about what to do in those areas.
2: We had somebody. Uh, was it Roger? Who was it on? It that recommended that uh, maybe it was um, Big Game Boomer. It was the uh, uh, the North End Zone, uh, the 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 roof of Valley Football Center uh, should have some sort of aquatic dam display uh, where a beaver, you know, comes sliding out into a pool of water and starts chewing on some wood uh, after every touchdown. So if you're be if you're, you're trying to fill, you know, <laughs> some of the the blank areas in the stadium, that one's got to be up.
3: There. The one dream, you guys. I've had two dreams that may never come to fruition but if i say them here maybe maybe they will one was a play structure designed like a beaver dam right so it's a zone oh. but it's designed like a beaver dam oh that would be awesome forestry industry uh sponsors on it and they can offset some cost, i'm sure um but then you have benny and bernice right in the den that's where they sign autographs pre-game uh-huh. you know to visit in but it's a play structure and game that's one we we contemplated it as part of the west side project didn't have the room and space the way it had been built out so i don't know maybe down the road um the other one man i would love a live mascot i'm so jealous of every school that has a <laughs> live mascot and all the stuff you get to do with it <laughs> and ours is not the easiest, but I don't know. We have a great veterinary school. Maybe, maybe there's something there. Somewhere. Right.
1: <laughs> At the same time, it's promoting all of the different departments across the university that, that are is elite true. in their own fields. That Forestry. is important.
3: That is important. Right. Yeah.
1: Amazing. Maybe a podcast studio that a uh, you know <laughs> podcaster or two can there we go. record live shows in. I don't know. We're just spitballing here Um, for you you mentioned uh, getting hearing notes and stuff from fans, direct emails, direct messages on social media has been helpful. If there are and we've been told that this is possible sometimes uh, any high rolling listeners out there, is there a specific place they can donate for this type of cause? Uh, Should they get in touch with you? Because. Even that vague description of that chainsaw visual has me really wanting to make that uh, a reality. So if anyone's listening and wants to kick in some support uh, for that cause and some of these and just other ideas for the fan experience aspect of not just football, but all Oregon State Athletics. Uh, how can they uh, support those causes?
3: You should get in touch with me. And it, I usually am like a two-day max response to an email. I'm a little bit slower right now, so give me a, give me a little time. But I respond to every single fan email I get, right? Um, whether it's an idea, a frustration, I, I respond to them all, and I love them all. Um, so yeah, I would say get in touch with me. And that one, um, I don't mind teasing it a little bit more, giving a little bit more info. I mean, if you remember and during the COVID year, we were looking for impactful visuals because the only thing people. Could do was see it on TV. And we had the oversized chainsaw. This is the next version of that an oversized chainsaw that moves and lights up for night games, located Uh in the terrace. And when we're on third downs, you sync up, you play the chainsaw noise, that thing moves up and down, blade that won't actually harm anyone, mock blade <laughs> rotates, that thing lights up in sync with the stadium lights.
2: Oh, um, yeah. Where do you procure something like that?
3: <laughs> we can find it. Oh. So there's people who can build it. I, my dream- It's an engineering school, JP. And that's my- school, <laughs> It's a better story, right? Yeah. If you can find yeah. an engineering undergrad or grad who's who's willing to do it at cost or a little bit higher, right, um, I would- love to do that not just because it would help us with with cost and understanding brand but it it makes the story better so that's the dream
0: that's so cool that's i'm gonna go back i'm all in on that idea (laughs)
3: i'm telling you guys guys everything now
1: (laughs) what what other news would you like to break on the you gotta cut me off We we we
3: we gotta have some surprises
1: oh no we love it we love it thank you so much for for those details and yes get in touch with sarah that is just sarah H dot at oregonstate.edu, correct?
3: Correct. Or Twitter. Or
1: Twitter X. X. Twitter. Twitter slash X. Yes. Um, we. You probably have seen us liking and retweeting slash reposting Sarah's tweets slash what do you call it posts posts whatever Mm. so if you do follow us and don't yet follow Sarah you should be and you should be able to follow her uh through us um do either of you have anything else um for for Sarah Elcano on this on this fine
0: evening no you have spilled the beans so I have nothing
2: yeah and I just want to I just want to say like a big thank you like all all of the changes and everything else you guys have put into the game day atmosphere across all the sports I mean, the fan experience is immeasurably better than it was 5, 10, 15-plus years ago. Um, And I think it's uh, it's a welcoming environment for everybody, too. So it's not just fun for the college-age kids or – you know, the older alumni or just the kids themselves, the young kids, it's everyone, I think, can go and have a good time and appreciate different parts of it. So you guys do a really wonderful job, you know, making sure that that's uh, the kind of
1: experience everyone gets.
3: No, yes. appreciate that. That's the goal. And I will pass that on to the all the staff that plays a role in that. Yeah, sure. please do. Please awesome. give
1: extend our thanks to all, all of those hardworking individuals um, as well. Uh, Sarah Elcano, everybody, thank you so much for being here. Sarah. Thank you, you guys it. for having me. Keep I love what you guys it. do.
3: So, whenever you want me back, let me know.
1: For sure. That will Deal, definitely dude. come sometime <laughs> soon. <laughs> 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 all right. Cool. Thank you, Sarah. All right, Thanks, go Sarah. Bees. Thanks, go Sarah. Bees. Go Bees. Wow. We got breaking, breaking, breaking news, news um, from the one of the higher ranking officers in all of college sports, Sarah Elcano, on the Dream yeah. Bees podcast. She is awesome. Doing an awesome job. Just fantastic stuff all around. Bernice, here to stay. That is so great. We did it Beaver fam. Yes. When I say, I say we I mean all Beaver we fans. All did. I don't mean us three. I no, mean we no. all Beaver Nation. Yeah. Beaver Nation did it, Beaver fam.
2: Yeah, and I I still listen back to that first episode that we talked about 101 episodes ago. And I'm like, it or 102 now, whatever it was, but I'm like, we were kind of digging for content, I Drunk. guess. Yeah, but like, we were truly just like, what are we supposed to talk about? It was so early on, and we thought that that was, a, we like Bernice. I mean, it wasn't the first time we had, as a friend group, talked about Bernice. Or had heard other people talking about Bernice. And so, it just was, it was supposed to be kind of an interesting story, but I think we really all were like, wait, yeah, this makes no sense that she's not here. Uh, and not not only did we start to like vocalize on social media but i think we became more receptive to other people who had also been vocalizing on social media and like we just all kind of combined forces i think at that point when either we joined their fight they joined our fight or whatever way we want to look at it or we join each other's fights yep it's great to see that they're listening i mean that is clear indication that the athletic department is listening to the fans that sarah has her finger on the pulse of beaver nation as we've said many times and you, you just got to vocalize it. And I think if enough momentum is behind it, the people, they'll do what they need to do. If you build it, they will come. I was
0: so so happy to hear Sarah mention that she reads every single fan email. It sounds like a lot of the suggestions, if like most of the suggestions are brought up in their meetings. And God, were we so far away from that when we were in school? Yeah, <laughs> it was. There were no changes, I, and I felt like Oregon State really was. It was kind of the bottom of the barrel in terms of fan experience in the conference. And
2: and you also had no idea who was r- running the show, like who was in charge exactly. of all this, like who was yep. who we supposed to talk to. They weren't as up front and center as Sarah and her team are, which definitely makes a huge impact for people at least expressing, hey, this happened, or hey, I liked this. It's 100, percent
0: And I don't think, I mean, I've been to the majority, I would say, of Pac-12 stadiums, and, and there is not a school that touches us in terms of fan experience now. Uh, it is state-of-the-art, so good. We are lucky.
2: Yeah, I guess I, I wanted to mention this to Sarah, and I didn't get a, an opportunity really, but when she first started doing, okay, fans, we just had the game on Saturday. How did it go? What needs improvements? And she started tweeting that stuff like on Monday mornings. And I remember being like, well, before we had our show, well, before like I was even maybe moved back, had moved back to Oregon. And I'm like, oh, Let's see what people are saying. Of this. Let's look at this bloodbath.
1: One, <laughs> yeah. one like seventy-three replies. This is yes. probably good. Yeah, <laughs> my wife divorced me at the game. Fix this, Oregon State. Yeah,
2: no, that's digital. That's digital. Getting on so on uh, Sports Center. Did you see that? No. Yeah, yeah, I did. So, anyways, uh, most of the comments were pretty civil. And she would address each one and be like, oh, I appreciate that. Or like, can you tell me more? Or yeah, like, thank you for like the you know kind words. And I was like, this is going to either continue to get better and better, or she's going to be inviting a lot more like hate as people realize, oh, she's engaging with this, you know? Yeah. And it went it went the way of the former and it, like for a long time, that was one of my favorite things to do on Monday mornings was like, wait for her <laughs> to tweet out. All right, tell me how it went. You know? And I was like, yes, d- leave this one up. And I'm going to refresh it a few times through the day and see what people are writing about and see what she writes back. Cause she would also drop good little nuggets about changes that were going to be uh, going into effect or things they were trying to implement. Uh, but you know, maybe could do better. So shout out. Yeah. Shout out to Sarah for being so open to uh, engage with the fans and, yeah, not be the black box that we, it really was for a long, long time. We had no idea who was yeah. even <laughs> calling those shots.
0: Well, and you match that with the gigantic leap the social media and video editing teams at Oregon State has made in the last, like, two years. Um, it, it's a big difference in terms of how it feels um, other than, like, the gameplay to be a Beaver fan. And I think that's yeah. a big part of it.
2: Well, yeah, social media, absolutely. The representation on there is, like, I mean, that's an extension of what you expect as a non-Beaver fan, like a game day experience would be like. Yeah. Are, they, are they with it? Are are they cutting edge or are they not? You wouldn't be like, oh, if you just saw some boring graphics put out or some videos that were like, you know, just chopped up on TikTok. Highlight. It's like, yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, you'd be like, oh God, they're. I bet you their game day experience is just, I don't know, the same like, hey, uh, song over and over again. <laughs>
0: And and now I watch the videos and I want to run through a wall for Jonathan Smith every single time. JP, please play five seconds of Hey Ya by (laughs) Outkast. <laughs> I and speaking of
1: social media, we have to move to the most popular segment, uh, according to social media, and that is of course the Reagan and Beer segment. Yes. Um, <laughs> shout out Reagan. we looking forward shout to seeing next it's, week. T- yeah. Reagan is very popular. Us uh, drinking and saying what beers we are drinking is is not so popular. But that is not Reagan's fault. In fact, it's the opposite. Well, I have uh, a, I have an idea for this. I think that if
2: you're listening and you want to enjoy a beer, now is the time to pause the episode, look for one of our beers, or in Benny's case, something extracurricular, other. and then <laughs> and then once you have it, come back to this point, hit play, and you can drink or participate with us, or whatever, in
1: real yeah. time. And that would be yeah, that'd be fun. Could be a beer could be a bunch of the halloween candy that you have stowed away yeah Ooh. yeah could, what, could what are be... they don't don't do
0: candy corn though
1: no so no candy, candy corns candy corn. yeah it's okay, wax so this is my eating my, wax I, I don't i, I don't <laughs> want to keep getting off topic but my first year as a homeowner first year probably having trick-or-treaters i'm trying to be the full-size candy bar household don't oh yeah do that because uh, then you'll always have to be the full then i'll, then I'll candy always bar have household. to be and it'll get it'll get expensive but i'd like as a kid, I remember how much that meant to me, so I'm trying it. I have like 30 something full size, <laughs> and I have yeah. I have no good gauge call. of how many kids will be. Well, here. I'm gonna tell you why that's a good idea. I have backup. I have backup regular size Halloween candies. You don't need in, it in case uh, they run good. out. Yeah.
2: I well maybe you will because you don't know how many you get. But like we used to think we were gonna get a lot at our house, and then first year we didn't really, but we weren't really home. Then the next year we were home, but we that were like, well, did we get a bunch or did people just come and dump our bowl because? We were out for like the first half of the night and we only put out like half the candy. Um, but then the uh, last couple of years, we were home like the whole time and we bought a bunch of candy, the little ones, you know, like little handout ones. We were left with like four pounds of candy afterwards because the bags are so <laughs> massive. And we didn't didn't have enough trick-or-treaters. So we were spending like $40 on bags of candy that we – like, fine, I'll keep it. I'll eat it. But, like, I don't eat the candy that often. Like, it took us (laughs) like eight, ten months to get through these bags. So this year I went the other way, and I said, I'm just going king size because I'll spend less and hand them all out, and people will be happier. So Mm. if you always end up with a lot of candy left over and you don't want it, which is understandable – Spend your money on king size. You might as well make more. Make I think more what's going to happen
1: is I'm going to have two dozen king size after this. And then it'd be like, all right, <laughs> guess it's a candy bar for lunch every day. Kind <laughs> of uh, kind yeah. of month. So what? I also or you have, can send them to
0: me. Uh, I can send them to you. Yeah, i'm a big a candy idea. eater i bought two candy. boxes you know the Merci chocolates you can buy, find them at costco they're the big oh. big yeah big yeah. boxes i bought I, I bought two of those maybe uh three weeks ago and uh, have almost crushed them so yes yeah, are like, this is King. for
2: halloween is <laughs> <You're laughs> for trick-or-treaters
0: and there's three left of your
2: six dozen you bought from costco <laughs>
1: <laughs> another another thing I'm doing—it's the reason that I had a empty miniature bottle of Fireball so easily accessible—is I saw this at the liquor store. There's this, these bags of Fireballs with trick or treating for adults printed on it. So Ooh. I plan on having another bowl to be like. Also, we have one just for parents. If you folks are interested in partaking, you better you better be <laughs> there to uh, monitor that. Yeah, place. answer the door. Oh, yeah. I'm not I'm not gonna leave that on the porch my plan me would have been like this i'm excited i'm sure i'll get it i'm sure i'll I'll get annoyed i'm sure i'll get annoyed right away but i haven't been able to do this on halloween before i think i'm just gonna fire up disney plus put the simpsons treehouse of horror on a loop and mm-hmm. just sit by sit in the living room with my costume on and just keep answering the door. I've never gotten to do that before. Yeah. So. Do you have any cool like lights nice. or decor outside that
2: people yeah, will Yeah, we got
1: we got we got pumpkins, we got uh lanterns. Um we got a couple signs. We didn't go too crazy for for this first year in the house, but uh we did have a Halloween party on Friday night, so got some stuff. I saw out. that, Ken. Nice. Yep, yep I'm just Ken. Yeah. Oh. JP, please play 5 seconds of I'm Just Ken by Ryan Gosling from the Barbie song.
0: I'm just Ken. dude the one thing that sucks well one of the things that sucks about having three dogs is i can't have trick-or-treaters we have to do the bowl on the outside of the house my dogs go absolutely bananas anytime there's a knock on the door or anything that sounds like a knock on the door we put lola up in our bedroom and then she's just like falls asleep oh god i wish yeah this is me knocking on the door
1: Knocking on the segment that we really need to get through ah, <laughs> right now. Oh, yeah. So in, the, in the spirit of it, I have a Summit Saga IPA from Summit Brewing Company in St. Paul, and it is in a Miller Lite koozie. So it's kind of, it's for Halloween, it's going as Miller Lite. That's its costume. My beer has a costume. That's how Halloween Ooh. I am. JP, well, you go.
2: My beer has a mission, by the way. It's called Cheers to the Land, and this is from Barelick. You want to see the label? No one else can I see do. it unless this ends up love, in our I love YouTube Bearlic. shorts. Um yeah. Like, I recognize that. Bear Licks is just down the street, across from Great Noshion. Oh, yeah. like oh, oh yeah, yeah. And there's one yeah, yeah, in guy. Southeast and somewhere else. Anyways, um, so Cheers to the Land is a West Coast IPA, but it's a uh, collaboration between all like these a bunch of Oregon breweries and cideries, where uh, they're working with the like Oregon Agricultural Trust farmers uh, to put together the the recipe for the beers and ciders that they're all sharing, and it's helping to create and bring awareness. Uh, to the importance of protecting, you know, farm and ranch land uh, in Oregon. So, um, OAT, oh, nice. o- I guess, just a, a little synopsis. OAT is a statewide nonprofit land trust, partners with farmers and ranchers to protect their land uh, for the benefit of Oregon's economy, community, and landscapes. So, um, thought it was cool. Thought it would be uh, fitting, given that we, uh, are Oregon State Agricultural College, and our roots are always. Uh, as an agricultural school um, and the importance of said agriculture even in today's modern world uh, these beers wouldn't exist without our
0: farmers. so cheers to you guys yep yeah 100%. Cheers to them. Um, speaking of farmers, that's a good segue into mine. I do not have a vice tonight uh, because I smoked my purple Urkel last night and ate almost everything in my entire house. So I can't do Including that the tonight. rest of the purple Urkel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, no, my dog my dog took care of that we uh, spent yeah. Saturday night in the emergency oh, room. Um, but, uh, I, I think I can say this on the podcast if not edited out, but I am, uh, growing two types of plants. One is called, uh, sunset sherbet and the other is called Girl Scout cookies. Both are weed plants, but I am going to, um, cross-pollinate them, I guess, and create my own called Rainbow Cookies. So (laughs) I, at some point in the future, I don't know how long it takes, will have a review on Rainbow Cookies for you guys. I'm excited for that one. Me too. Can we
2: like get a like a, a immediate reaction uh review
0: as well? Like yeah. can you just get a can you
2: record yourself emergency moments? episode once the <laughs> rainbow
1: cookies are ready?
3: <laughs> yeah, I
2: just want to see the true that. the true reaction to yes what kind of monster you have built. Become well, yeah, <laughs> cheers.
1: Cheers to rainbow cookies then JP Cheers I to rainbow
2: cookies, the cheers to farmers. farmers, cheers to Reagan Beers, cheers to Sarah Alcano. Cheers, cheers to Sarah.
0: To Holy shit. She is awesome such a blessing to the Oregon State athletic department yeah i hate to be the one to do this guys you
1: know it's not a blessing we've got to Just talk about two sauce we've got That's to it. talk about despair in the desert we've got to talk about falling down to 16th in the ap poll from 11th we've got to talk about going 6 and 2 and we've got to talk about now facing something of a must win in boulder another road game after dark um apparently I normally open it up to the two of you and say, what would you like to talk about first? And then we kind of go from there and try sometimes successfully, sometimes not so successfully to hit on all of the talking points. But with this game, I think um, apparently there is a fake field goal in this game that a lot of people have a lot of feelings about. So maybe we start there. The score is 10 to 10. Oregon State is on the 13-yard line or so, looking to go up 13-10 with three seconds left in the half. Uh, it had seemed that they were going to fake a field goal earlier in the game, but a delay of game was called, <laughs> maybe thankfully, uh, which prevented that play from carrying out, and they just kicked the their field goal, and ASAP made it, as he's wont to do. This one, ASAP, to his credit, had a little jump, had a little juice got some yards but didn't get in the end zone uh as the kicker of the team is famously not a running back or a wide receiver and he is quick for a kicker are mad now i want to start this with being like okay the team lost by 3 points we could have had three points there and that's just dangerous thinking Oregon State makes that field goal the the game script changes it's it's you just don't want to assess things that way obviously that three points would have been huge three points are valuable on the road they're even more valuable but just the fake field goal and then just kind of this notion that we seem to be overly aggressive to a fault with some weird plays in road games uh that smith might not be coaching or calling plays with the same comfortability that he does at Reiser. obviously things change from home to road but i do there is there is that weird onside kick against cal there is some aggressive trick plays uh and fourth down calls in the loss at, at wazoo i guess just let's start with the fake field goal and move on from there i thought it was a very bad decision. Uh, I would have been fine if they were just like, no, you know what? We're going for the end zone here and kept the offense out there. I I prefer kicking it, but even if it's like we're going for as many points as we possibly can get, that's one thing. A fake field goal run to Sappington, God bless his heart, seems like the lowest percentage shit you could call. So there's not even like the, oh, this is the analytics argument here. So I don't know if it's just they saw something and they were determined to try it. But it certainly has left a lot of fans with a rough, not good taste in their mouth. And I just want to hear your guys' reactions to that play and how it sits against the backdrop of uh, this loss.
0: Yeah, I um, number one to reiterate your point a game is not won or lost in the last play of the second quarter it's just not right. the score is indicative of that field goal making a difference and it would have made a difference but it doesn't mean that that game goes into overtime at the end um but i i like i like the overarching sort of scoped out 10,000 foot view of what Jonathan Smith and company are doing i think um you you called out the play the onside kick against Cal if we get that and score we're up either 17 to three or 21 to three, but that game's out of reach. If we score a touchdown on a fake field goal against Arizona on the road, it's not a backbreaker, but that changes um, a lot going into the second half. I don't like the call. I th- I think it was uh, an overly aggressive call, especially when it's a 10 to 10 game. Three points are much more important than a game that ends like 50 to 42 at Cal. So points are, um, a luxury in a game like that, but it, it, Smith is going for, um, not the jugular, but he is going for building that momentum in the second half and, um, and, and sort of, uh, putting one of the nails into the coffin, not, not close to the last, but you know, sometimes you have to do that. And, and I think people that second guess the call, um, is to- that's totally fair. 100%. But to say that Jonathan Smith lost us that game, number one, how, ha- Have respect for the man. He had brought us out of the depths of hell to be knocking on the door of, a top ten, uh, of the top 10. Uh, Jonathan Smith did not lose us this game. Brian Lindgren did not lose us this game. I, I thought he called a, a really beautiful game, to be honest. Um, the call wasn't good, but all this uh, other talk about how it ruined the game or how it really um, affected uh, uh, the, how it was the culprit of why we lost is, that's nonsense. If I can just jump right in quick, sorry, JP,
1: but I think uh, beautifully said all around, Benny, I think more so than the call, is on these sort of special teams plays, this fake, and the onside kick specifically, the execution seemed really off. Yeah, I think having Sappington run it from where we were positioned, especially with no time left for another play, just felt odd. And we just didn't look ready to execute that onside kick at Cal. So I think that's part of the extrapolation of the frustration is because it's not just like, oh, these plays got called. They got met with better defense, whatever. It just seems like it came completely out yeah. of left field. It wasn't
2: the the intention of the play call that was the problem. It was the play call itself, I think, that people have the biggest issue with. And, Terry, you alluded to this. If you're going to go for it and you want to go for a juggler or you want to carry momentum, fine. But then leave your offense out there. Give it, Like somebody yeah. that you can actually trust have a, a – a fairly decent opportunity and chance uh to get you you know the 20 plus yards like you're not going to get that from a kicker and I think against ASAP but like I think he thought it too and I also think that there's something about the preparedness there's something about the execution um had we didn't see it because I don't think the players bought it I think they ran out there like what again we already tried to yeah. do this earlier in the game when it made a little bit more sense yeah. And we had a false start. We had to actually kick it. And now we're calling the exact same play as the half yeah. closed. I think they were all out there like, what are we doing? I mean, you if you watch some of the guys running downfield to lead some blocks for Sappington, they all look confused. Sappington looks confused. He looks like he's running around like, I don't know where I'm supposed to go. Like, which way am I supposed to cut? And, like, I, maybe because he's a kicker, but maybe because he was like, I don't think we ever actually plan to do this as a way to close a half. Ever. Yeah. Um, so, so that that part of it to me is, I think, very frustrating. Honestly, I think Jonathan Smith felt worse than everybody. He looked, he looked very, very mad at himself as half wound down, and he walked to the locker room. He looked despondent talking about it after the game, and and I think what he's realizing is just because you see something on tape, just because you want to do something. He said he was chomping at the bit to get the playoff, to get that playoff at some point in the game. But clearly, but I don't know if he just didn't remember what the situation. Was for halftime. But like I would do that if I was him. I was chomping the bit to get that playoff because you you really truly believed the chances of success were so high and better than going for it on fourth down with your offense because of the trickery around calling it the fake field goal. Go for that when you get the ball at half. Not when you're yeah. giving it back to them. Right. Either way. Yeah. Take the points because you're giving them the ball, anyways. So yeah. That's the part of it. I think it almost seems like – no one's really asked him this as far as I've been able to, to read or, or or watch. That Did he know – was that the intention was to go for the fake even though at the end of the half that was going to happen regardless after that point. Arizona was going to start the second half with the ball. I, yeah. I just feel like he realized
0: like, oh, I just kind of shit the bed on Brain that fart. one. Brain fart, yeah. yeah. I I I wonder if he didn't realize that on that false start that the holder had flipped it up to Sappington that is that's truly the problem that I have the Biggest problem that I have with it, I think, um, clearly they were running that play and it was working well in the two weeks of practice leading up to the game. Uh, they were to your point, JP, uh, Jonathan Smith was clearly and anxious to run that play. And I actually like the play call if they didn't, um, already show their cards. Uh, I I think that, um, it's look when we had Mike Riley, people were on the other end of the spectrum saying we play too conservatively, go for it on fourth down, do something, and now we're doing it and people are like oh that doesn't work this is bullshit well sometimes it does work and sometimes it doesn't work so you can't have your cake and eat it too jonathan smith is more aggressive than your average coach and it works sometimes and when it works it looks beautiful when it doesn't work it stands out um and unfortunately this stood out i like that play call
1: when it's fourth and four on a 45 yard field goal with like six minutes left in any quarter
2: yeah exactly that's what i that's yeah. what i like for yeah. That call. Yeah. yeah yeah. but i have a question for you guys like i, I think Uh, The other layer of the onion for this is it's play calls like this that are questionable, execution that's questionable as well uh, when we're on the road. But I don't think it's anything that happens at home that we just do better or call better.
1: We just don't do it at home. I I think there's something to that. I think he's pressing on the road. I
2: think, though, if he wants to play like that and he wants to call games like that, great. Like you just said, with Riley, we we were – clawing for this because he was so vanilla. I mean, the most crazy thing he did was, like, go for two in the Sun Bowl. I mean,
1: like, it was... He went, he went for it on fourth. And, cause there's a few times he drove me crazy with Wayne and how he did go for it on fourth. I'm just but, saying, yeah, like it wasn't I that get consistent. It was like points. once a season, if even, that he would have a play where you're like,
2: oh my God! He and then all my of a girl, sudden,
1: five times against Oregon in the Civil War when he sure. could have kicked yeah. the goals. Anyway, yes. that's not the game we're here to talk about.
2: Yeah, so do you do you think, though, that, again, I think that there's something about the confidence level of the players when these players get called, when they're maybe confused about why And I don't think that Coach Smith needs to ever really explain why. Uh, I think he Mm -hmm. has proven that he understands and knows why better than a lot of people that listen to this, if not everyone who listens to this. Uh, And (laughs) also probably all the players. So I, I don't think he owes an explanation, but I definitely think he needs to drive some confidence that this works. There's only there's only two home games left. One of them is against Stanford at home, which hopefully knock on wood. You know, Stanford has played all right, but hopefully knock on wood. I it have. should be a, a a pretty uh easy, if not decisive, victory. I would the
0: easiest game on our schedule.
2: Yeah. I would err towards yeah. still not decisive because you just never know. It's the pack, whatever. Do you run a trick play at home and let the let the players have some confidence build back? Let them feel a little bit better that it, it's something they had to press for, or do you not? And you just scrap it all at some point because because if you run it at home and it also doesn't work, and the fans now are not just uh, with their Twitter fingers, they're on they're top there. of you, right? Yeah. And well, I want no him to go. That.
1: If you're a player and you're like, we've now had this play call twice, I, just, I want game script to dictate it. I, I wouldn't say he's called a trick well, sure. play at home, but the sort of game clinching touchdown against Utah, fourth and inches, we line up to do sort of the yes. touch push or yes. the brotherly shove. And yeah. the hesitation from DJ pitched to Silas like that is that is a play that can get blown up against a defense like Utah for a loss of six. I wouldn't call it a trick play. I think it was a deceptive play, but it was and, also not it was,
2: in a scoring situation per se. It ended up being a scoring play. But it wasn't at the expense of points. Yeah,
1: No. I want him to kick it more, especially because, well, there are two other factors we need to talk about in this game. That is the tackling on defense and then also DJ just not being sharp. Both things factored into the outcome of this game as much as any fake field goal call. Did But yes, three points on the road in any kind of competition is valuable. It's good to get points. It's especially good to get points when it gives you the lead going into a half, especially when you have a great defense like we have three points is never bad. The only time you would be like, what the hell are you kicking a field goal for is when you're down by four or more with like less than two minutes left. That's the only time I'd be actually upset about kicking it or quote unquote taking the points. So I know we've gotten touchdowns in the past. Uh, There's probably, you know, someone can crunch, uh, can grind that tape and figure out exactly what the point total is of touchdowns that either came directly on fourth down or came from going for it instead of kicking it on fourth down on the same possession. But it just feels like he's forcing a square peg into a round hole, and doing it because he's on the road. He didn't need to press. Being ten to ten with Arizona at Arizona pac twelve after dark is a perfectly fine place to be. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing shameful about that. Even in years when they aren't as clearly talented as they are now, even like if
2: you're... they went for the field goal and missed, and it was yeah, it was ten ten. It's like. You're I fine, mean you 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 went for
0: the points at least so it's still fine it's tied. And I think the thing that the thing we haven't talked about that I think is almost uh as much of a fumble as uh, doing the fake field goal was the clock management on that drive. You um yeah caught, caught the ball with 25 seconds left on they ran it, they the ran it down to 8 for no reason you had two you had two timeouts not one you had two timeouts so why we weren't taking a timeout there I I mean that obviously was not a decision that was a blunder someone was not fully tuned into the game or something but that is a hundred coaches out of a hundred coaches given that situation are calling a timeout there so um, I I don't know what that was about that that was a really um, unfortunate end to the second quarter Um, and you're right DJ was not super sharp but I will say to give credit where credit's due uh the games previous to oregon state that arizona had were uh, against washington usc and washington state they're they're fantastic well but hennicks caleb williams heisman trophy winner last year and cam ward all of whom are probably going to be playing on sundays two of them definitely uh combined for one touchdown Arizona's secondary is legit yeah, I, are. very very very
1: I, very I wrote today no one in the country has done a more impressive coaching job than jed fish has done yeah over the last three years maybe yeah, he Jonathan's has two d's one and jed He's two d's and, didn't jed, know. and he spells yeah. fish F-I-S-C-H. H H H H. H H H. you do not <laughs> fuck with him jed fish No,
2: the other H's are silent. Actually, there's an S-H-H-H. So it actually says, shh, like don't
0: say this don't do it well we knew arizona was gonna be a tough test weird things happen in the desert it's it's like don't wake them up while they're sleeping on us sorry i just had to and and one one thing i think all fan bases have this but i certainly thought prevalent with the oregon state fan base over the weekend is that this was something that we fucked up this was a win that we somehow shit the bed and didn't win look that call was bad arizona played out of their fucking minds on saturday night arizona played really 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 well and we made some mistakes but i thought we played a clean game we had what two penalties right we had yeah. missed tackles for sure yeah the nose. missed tackling was
2: definitely like but that was like salt in the wound by that point because yeah. it was clear we
3: were trying to strip Ari- the ball yeah and the we arizona was going to control
2: bit. their own destiny and the only way we could do it was forcing the turnover but instead of actually just trying to get the ball back organically. We were like, you know, pressing for a turnover and our, our tackling looked atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. Um, I do want to, I want to, I want to echo what you were saying about DJ. I think that DJ played a great game. I think there were some throws where he looked off. I think some of the throws though, that maybe he looked off, um, it was more about the intended receiver actually not being where they're supposed to be uh, or looking when they were supposed to be. Um, and so not so much on him. I would probably be able to attribute four or five of his incompletions right away to somebody who wasn't actually uh, keeping their eyes on their quarterback, um, which, of course, you don't want to do that all the time. But the route looked like it, it, it was indicative of them having <laughs> turning and giving him a look. Uh, and, they, and they weren't. Um, but he still got rid of it in, in good timing, and he also still was a very like we had very few negative plays, if any. I think uh, with DJ on Saturday, and when the play broke up, um, I, I think some people have criticized that he maybe was too quick to throw it away. I think that uh, I, don't, I don't think that's possible. I think he was out the, the ball too long. I In think maybe maybe he was a, a little bit indecisive on something but I also think he was smart to know like you you got to measure your gambling uh Terry you wouldn't understand this because you just freely uh, gambled in Vegas, gambled away your money in Vegas.
1: I, I quit once I, I hit a point of losses and I quit after that. Don't make the listeners think I'm I a- did too, and then I pulled out more
0: money. Yeah, okay.
2: So Jonathan uh, needed to learn how to be a calculated gambler. And I think that DJ is more calculated than a lot of people give him credit for. I think that he realizes when to try to force a play, when to not. Uh, our team in our situation, and on the road especially, there's no margin for error. And I think he th- – I know he threw right. the ball away or didn't force a play. He was kind of called out in our, our Twitter spaces, but not negatively. Just like I'd like to see him use his legs and do something more if he does decide to keep the ball. Yeah, and I'm in agreement there, but I don't think that that was like. I think that was like his fifth, you know, read, uh, uh fifth progression was like, well, oh, now I got to run because literally I've been standing back here for way too long. My offensive line's been doing a, a shit ton of work, and I there's no one to get this to, and I don't want to throw it away because I think I can get some yards here. So it might seem like a slow read or a slow progression, but I think that that just means that uh, one, he has a lot of time because of our offensive line, and two, he's still making the right choice, the smart choice. We rarely ever take negative yards or a loss on a play uh, when DJ has that's, hands on the ball.
1: That's true, and I agree on the small margin for error, but this is also a team with designs of winning championships this year. And in a game where there weren't any three and outs by either offense, it's hard to criticize the offenses. That's the sign of two efficient offenses at work. The first three and out came when we had the ball in the fourth quarter and we're winning 17 to 13. So that showed that, either Lindgren's gameplay game plan, DJ's execution, anyone else's execution, the running game, we couldn't ice a game that we were in position to ice. And I think that is the hard pill that is ultimately difficult to swallow. Yeah, but everyone it was there calling for a the run. Taking
2: and- everyone was, run the damn ball. If you saw Twitter, it was literally, as yeah. soon as we got the ball, it was, run the ball, run the game out, run I'm the ball. I'm not putting
1: that entirely on DJ, but someone needed to make a play in a in a difficult place to make a play. I know that's a the zona zoo was going wild. That was one thing that the uh duo of Brian Custer and Rod Gilmore actually accurately pointed out. They didn't <laughs> God, get many things right. Let's not even bring but, that up. And we let's not let's not go down that road. I'm sorry. But we had one first down in the fourth quarter. And that was it. And they could they couldn't get it done. And then it was, you know, after it was, you know, too late, whatever they got. Jimmy Valson got in, in the end zone. It was one touch, one first down before that final drive when we okay. got it to twenty-seven, twenty-four. 24 Sorry, Benny. Um, and it, it just felt too little, too late. Arizona was in a weird defense at that point, whatever. I'm not trying to diminish, uh, you know, Valson had a good night, too. But we just felt vin- all parts of our offense felt vanilla as hell when it had a chance to win the game. And I think fans are rightly frustrated
0: by that. Yeah. Can I give you a take that I think a lot of people will not like? Um I think it's true though. I think <laughs> we talk we we talk about our defense being elite. Our defense was elite last year for well, sure. They
1: they weren't in this game. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with our, either, that. Our
0: our defense struggles. Our, I should I should say this uh, in a different way. Our defensive backs struggle significantly more on the road than they sure. do at home. Fafita was 25 for 32. That can't happen that can't happen ward torched us right mendoza for cal a third string quarterback torched us right like Gray we were missing to get we these were guys. missing
1: cooper jr in a big big way but it can't come okay. down to one defensive back because guys yeah. are going to get
0: hurt that if i were to look no one you can't pin anything on one position group. No, but if there's one not. position group that played below their capabilities more so than any other it's the defensive backs and that was the case against cal and that was the case against wazoo just saying i don't think It was the offense. I think the offense played fine. The offensive line specifically played unbelievable. The offensive line was good. Yeah. Very good as always. I think the passing game was mediocre and the running game was
1: fine.
2: I would have loved to see more play calls for runs. I mean, time of possession at halftime. Benny, you called this out. You were like, they does it me or do they not have like they have like close to eighteen to twelve
1: in our favor in the first half? Yeah.
2: Yeah, and it ended up being 29-31 to 31 at the end of the game.
0: Yeah, yeah. Why didn't we yeah. run the ball? I mean, Damien, Damien's carrying the ball seven yards a carry. Mm-hmm. I, th- I mean, I think it's because we were fighting coming back the whole game. And I agree with you. I mean, we should stick to our game plan. And running the ball is okay. our bread so, and butter, for just sure. Just to
2: play devil's advocate, you were fighting to come back the whole game. We had the time of possession battle one at halftime. Mm-hmm. We were tied at halftime. We went mm-hmm. down in the third quarter. We by had three. lead in the fourth quarter. I'm just saying, if we were fighting to come back the whole game, there was a point that early in that, I guess late in the first half where we could have had the lead and then run the clock out, like we should have done in the fourth quarter, uh, and didn't, so... I could see, all of this is a perfect storm for being a very frustrating game as a fan. I'm yeah. sure Jonathan Smith. I think there is some uh, lack of often. communication
1: um, through the coaching staff too, because it just did not feel like the strong in control performance that we're accustomed to seeing with this no. group. No, no. So uh, you can't. I know the general reaction is to pin it on one play call or one bullshit penalty or one player or something, and it's just it's deeper than that. And you can look at anyone and be like, oh, like, yeah, this guy left a couple players on the field. This call was dumb. Um, but, yeah, it just it felt like I think the most concerning thing is that it felt like a coaching performance without a lot of continuity coming off of a bye week. And that to me is the most concerning part of it. When they had two weeks to prepare for this. And yeah. it just didn't inspire confidence. It didn't. Yeah. I still think this is going to be a great season. I'm excited for the next four games and see what see what happens. But it was a hiccup, and you already had a hiccup in Pullman, so you didn't really have one to lose. And you can still get to Vegas for the Pac-12 championship, but you're going to need some help now.
0: And yeah. it really can't lose again. No, you can't. And uh, just get to give props where props is due, the non-Tracy McGrady T-Mac, uh, the wide receiver for oh. Arizona, had a <laughs> fucking killer. hell of a game. But y-
1: he's yeah, great. Jacob Cowan is yeah. great. Montana Limonius Craig is great. And-
2: whoa, whoa, wait. Shout out to up. our
1: great. Dude, up, I,
2: I'm, not, I'm not giving flowers to Arizona. I'm sorry. Piss off. But <laughs> there, there's one person who does go, deserves, God. God
1: forbid we acknowledge an opponent ever.
2: Yeah, not happening. But there's one guy we haven't talked about yet who uh, needs spotlight shown. I'm, I know brightly. where you're going with this. And, and I agree. Jack Velling is still... <laughs> A monster. I was not
1: like, thinking yes. you were going to go in that direction, I, we've, yes. we've, we've like... This is almost an exclusively Jack Belly podcast.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about he yeah, broke the single-season record on... He did. He did. Saturday. He did do that, yeah. He is a single-season record single holder season. all-time as a tight end with touchdowns in a season. With he, he passed Tim U.S. Lost. and Joe Newton. And we'll have five more Bam. games to build on that. Yes. Bam. So, if you want... Yeah. Thinking about the names in the record book that, that he just passed. I mean, those guys... Right, really built made, built a template of what it meant to be a tight end at Oregon State that we've had a lot come through to try to replicate, and some have done very very well. None of them have surpassed them in in regards to productivity. And Jack Velling is about to blow the roof off of what has used, right. had once been a successful tight end season. So shout out to Velling, another touchdown, yes. and led the and We, team mentioned, and we yards. mentioned
1: this two weeks ago. He's on pace to break Brandon Cooks' all-time receiving touchdowns record. I'm just saying say it would be like, so crazy, and he and, and the, he made the, the, the single, record the single record season
2: record
0: yeah. I know the single season tight end receiving touchdown milestone, which is crazy. Can I ask you guys a, a question? Job. Give me a give me a quick answer here, uh, because I, I felt like the fan was split. Um, Last time, your quick answer was like 15 minutes. You even acknowledged it. I
1: went back and listened <laughs> to it. It was a minute and a half. Well,
0: that's because I what, edited what do you, it. it was, what do you guys think about getting Aiden Childs more reps than just the third series of the game? Oh, mm. Terry, you go because I'll be a lot longer than you this time. Probably, but Betty keeps doing this. With
1: <laughs> I want a quick answer. Here's the most – what's the meaning of life? Um,
0: <laughs> I say – Beaver football—that's the answer.
1: What they're doing right now seems to be working through eight games for the most part. I like the body of work both of them have put in. Mm-hmm. You're trying to get a currently backup quarterback integrated in a system, get them in-game experience and confidence for the future while not cannibalizing your starting quarterback, and that's a really difficult needle to thread. And I think adding more series makes that even more difficult. So I say stick with what you're doing right now and giving him the third series. Okay,
2: I say stick with the third series as a minimum. I think that uh, if we have a lead later in midway through the fourth quarter that's sizable to score, then – I'm just saying, like, then be a little bit uh, quicker to let DJ rest uh, and trust that Aiden can carry the game through and give him experience there. I wouldn't be upset uh, or, like, I wouldn't think it would be too detrimental if we also – if we get the ball to open the half and we're up at half to give him the third series of the second half. But it's uh, within those two stipulations as well. I don't think you want to give him the ball – the third series after the opponent had a chance to kind of set the tone to start the half. I don't think you want to give him the ball in the third series if we're down at halftime, let alone what happened in the first two drives after half because you don't want to potentially kill a kid's confidence, which I don't know if that's even possible with Aiden, but you don't want to risk yeah. it uh, if you, get, you know, chip away at the lead. So give him more, uh, like get, make DJ's leash shorter when we, he has helped us already end up in a victorious likelihood um but yeah if you want to try to give him another another drive you gotta you gotta make the timing right i think the third drive of the game is like statistically not as relevant or as important as really any other drive and that's why they've they've earmarked it uh for him because it's just good experience and he might be able to help the team win on that drive and it, he, I, I thought he played great again on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, there was the one interception that almost happened. Uh, but you know what? Everyone, everyone has a bad throw every once in a while. But that was one of the first ones I saw that looked very errant from Aiden. Yeah, uh, and he's he's thrown quite a few already this year. So a
0: good, I mean, it's yeah. total total throws. So. I I agree with you guys. I think it's tough to find reps for him uh, because DJ is and has gotten us uh, so far. And I think DJ's played very, very well uh, the first two thirds of the season. Um, But man, you see Aiden out there and you're like, this kid is going to be very special. I mean, special in the sense that he might go down is. I don't want to put pressure. You can on, say it. So I, to... I, I don't think that you're going to because I think he thinks that. I think he could go down as the best player in Oregon State football history. Yeah. I think he's that special. Yeah.
1: No argument here. Yeah. I'm fine. Moving I'm fine. on. I'd be okay if that happened. Yeah. Uh, Colorado in Boulder, Pac 12 after dark, ESPN, November 4th.
0: Benny, you're not making it out to this one? I'm not but the the game scares me. I, this I don't I don't think Arizona was a trap game. I think everyone was very aware of how good Arizona was. This feels kind of like a trap game cuz right. Colorado has been playing not great the last most of the season.
1: I
2: said but this they, when
0: Colorado was going good
1: and I think we're a nightmare matchup for them. Like I know <laughs> they have their athletes on the ends, yeah. but so do we and we should dominate the trenches on both sides of the ball.
0: Yeah, I, I think we're the better team, 100%. Um, but oh, it's on the road. Colorado, it's it's on, the road.
1: on the road. And now Colorado that's the uh, talent.
0: And they have Travis Hunter and Shadur Sanders, who Shadur hasn't played great, but he has the talent. Travis Hunter might be Shiloh the best got, player.
1: Shiloh will miss the first half, though. He yeah, ejected the targeting. The targeting in the last game.
0: Yeah, but Shadur and Travis Hunter are Sh- still playing. And, better, and, but... and with... Our history of getting torched by quarterbacks when we're on the road—that combination scares me. But I do—I think we win this game for sure. I think that
2: this game has uh, obviously magnitudes greater uh, importance now because of what's happened in Tucson. Again, it's on the road, and so I'm scared about it because I—I I felt confident. I didn't feel confident that we'd win the Ari- against Arizona. I felt confident in my. Thought about how the game would go, which was something weird is going to happen. We're going to lose by a field goal. I mean, that's essentially exactly what happened. But it, I thought we they'd hit like okay, a walk off field goal. Not that we would lose by three points from not attempting a field goal. Not because we, we didn't <laughs> lose from not attempting. But you get my point. Yeah. So this one though, to me, feels like we could um, we could <laughs> face a Colorado team. That is floundering, and bring our best, and reset everything that we, how we view ourselves, the play calling, etc., and just destroy them, home or road. Or we could be like wounded birds rolling in there and being like, "Oh no, here we are again on the road in a potentially t- not tough matchup all altogether, but uh, there are some tough athletes to contain. Absolutely, uh, that can change the game uh, and make make us very uncomfortable. So. I'm not feeling good about this game.
1: I'll be blunt. I'm not feeling good about this game. Look at you saying nice things about an opponent.
2: No, it's not about the opponent. It's about tough,
1: us. T- tough athletes to contain.
2: <laughs> well, they are. I'm just saying, like, they
1: are. I'm going to mute you. You can, pra- you can praise the opposition.
2: <laughs> it's fine. I'm not praising them. I'm saying a it's a challenge. possible for you. All right, fine. Colorado sucks. Shador Sanders sucks. Dion's a terrible coach. <laughs>
1: Who he has Travis a fake watch. Anyway. No,
2: is Travis Hunter part of a One Eighty Two? I have no idea. Move my... on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> would you like to revisit the preseason predictions for this? Game? Oh yeah, fine. Yes. As long as mine was that we win, it
2: was. Then do it.
1: Benny's preseason prediction for this game was twenty-four to seven, which feels kind of funny now, given that Colorado plays games in the forties and fifties almost yeah. exclusively. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but hey, I would like, if we hold Colorado to seven points, I'd be I'd be thrilled. Me Uh, too. JP had a forty-eight to thirteen win, which I think. Ooh, let's go! To say again, after I just gave you credit for whatever. Um And I, I didn't do that 45 to 21. Dude, JP hates it when I'm nice to him. That's why this is no, so hard. I like that,
2: but <laughs> I didn't, I, did, I
0: didn't do anything about with the opponent. I did not say anything nice about them. I think you have to jump on Colorado early. Cause I look, I think Dion is a decent coach. I think he has a lot to learn, but I think he's decent. One area where I have seen him struggle is when his team goes down, that team falls apart when they go down. So if you can right. jump on them early, get a seven zero lead at the end of the first quarter i i think um you know that that needs to be a priority what if we have the ball at the end of the first half and we're up no, 10 no. to nothing
1: no no
2: and and in colorado done. gets the ball after half and start of the second half kick and we it. are we kick
1: br- it we bring staff it. out there in colorado at evolution evolution elevation evolution the evolution of elevation
2: do you believe in evolution
1: ever everett hayes made what a fucking sixty thousand yard field yeah.
2: goal there yeah he was yeah. there you kick kick it was it. unbelievable
0: you yeah kick but it i feel like asap would,
2: would run no. No. no like a man no. on the moon he'd be so no. lightweight and just sliding through tackles i'm gonna and, i'm
0: gonna mute you there's no there. gravity there i'm gonna mute you <laughs> you're so far away from the earth's core there's no gravity i already hate this kick it you can dive in from the 10 yard line
1: i'm moving us on (laughs) the volleyball a volleyball speaking of flowers and all the ways that we would deliver flowers to deshaun fenwick at all as well oregon state volleyball one of the best weekends the program has had for quite some time beeves take down you dub 3-1 Three to one in Seattle to start the weekend, running off three straight sets after dropping the first to beat the Huskies. Their reward for that victory, a matchup with number six Washington State, on the Palouse, which they won in a fifth set with the final with some dramatics at the final point, winning that set 15 to 13. That is the program's first top ten road win since 2011. It's the first time we've gotten two ranked wins in a single season since 2011 and the first road sweep of the Washington schools since 2017, setting up a much anticipated final weekend of the regular season back at home. Legendary Gill Coliseum in beautiful Corvallis, Oregon, the Paris of the Pacific Northwest. Bahanik's Steam places Utah on Friday and Colorado for senior day on Sunday. This is is exciting times for the volleyball uh the net the set the spike the The volleyball the everything the beaver dam for them to go in and i watched the highlights from that matchup in wazoo of course you know wazoo we love you except for when we're playing you they were the Cougs were very well supported that was a very noisy arena that they went in and they, they had come off, they had lost to Oregon earlier that weekend and they needed a win to stay kind of atop the college volleyball world. And we went into a tough spot, uh, delivered a, a pretty decisive win. And Michael Vernon was spectacular again, as she's been all year. So just when Bahanic was hired, we talked about this being kind of a watershed moment for Oregon State volleyball. And it of course hasn't been perfect, but A lot of statement wins that are uh you know pretty big milestones for her to be crossing in year one yeah i think you got to
2: have these kind of wins though to to reset expectations within the program right and you it's not so much that you like i don't like that the idea of like you need to learn how to win like i i don't i don't buy into that concept because i think everyone if you're a competitive collegiate or even high school athlete like You're you're doing it because you want to win. You have a competitive drive. You're not doing it because you're like, I just, I don't really care about winning. I just like playing. Like that's, that stuff ends in rec sports. No one, no one devotes enough time to a sport or a craft because they like to play it. They want to win. So these people that haven't forgotten how to win, they haven't forgotten what it meant or felt like to win. But it, it does help when you have moments like this to show that you can win, that you can do this. And this... There shouldn't be an oddity. There shouldn't be an abnorma- abnormality. It, it, it really can become a, a commonplace occurrence. Uh, as long as you, you buy in, you perform, you play your, your best. And I think that that was really a turning point this moment. I wouldn't be surprised if we look back at this at the end of next season and be like, don't you remember that weekend against the Washington schools when yeah. they turned the corner and and just never looked back as a program. I mean, it has that vibe. Um I like we we never thought that this team was like under skilled or anything. I think it was it was oh, the program was looking for a coach that could really put the right pieces of the puzzle together and make sure they had every opportunity to win. Um and maybe she unlocked that this weekend. So, props to them. Big 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 time stuff. Um yeah, I mean, let's let's finish the the rest of this season strong, but so I mean, get these were these, these were yeah these were huge wins against programs that that have historically taking it to
0: us. Where where are we at in the volleyball standings of the Pac-12? Ooh, I didn't check that before this. JP, do you have it quickly?
2: Mm, I
1: had What's it up. Might... Where did it go?
2: I didn't. Hold on.
1: I think still lower half. in the in the bottom in the bottom half. Yeah. Okay. But clear yeah, four and conference. Signs.
2: Right.
0: Four and eight. Okay. A team. But that we're also a... only
2: five and five
0: non-con so yeah so huge like even more uh of a huge win given yeah given how we've looked a yeah. team
1: that is at the top of the pac 12 standings is greg dalby's team oregon state Men's soccer who had a uh successful uh weekend in california they took down uh san diego state one to nothing uh, in the first game off of Logan Farrington's 11th goal Pac-12 foe. of the season. And Pac-12 foe in this instance, yes, San Diego State. Uh, and they battled uh, UCLA to a nil-nil draw uh, on Sunday. Um, big, bit of ten a rival. Bag. It's big 10 <laughs> rival. Uh, big 10 rival. Big 10-pound UCLA who has a game in West Lafayette uh, next week. They don't actually, but hit Benny and I up for some West Lafayette recommendations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> they should they should make the tournament, but I think there's a little bit of mixed bag. They're not in the rankings right now. They're not receiving votes, uh, but they have you know, two draws against UCLA, who's really good. They have wins against they have a win against Stanford. They didn't get their asses kicked by Stanford once, but they also beat Stanford. Uh, who is ranked seventh, I believe, in the country. And Logan Farrington is just a baller. Um, and guys like Ellis Speichner and Dante Williams and uh, the like are, are playing really well. Um, so I hope that they get what they deserve and get in uh, to the NCAA tournament and have a chance at making another run. And they, to- know, they have they, they have
0: quite a bit of a
1: break right They have now. quite a bit of a break. This is, yeah, weird scheduling. Uh, they don't play again until November 9th. Uh, hosting Washington State at, or no, Washington, sorry. Washington. University yeah. of Washington at home at Lorenz on November 9th. Uh, get there, be loud, be proud. It's a Thursday night in Corvallis. Where else would you rather be? Mm. Starting a frenzy at Lorenzi. But before you do that, go to Please that same place. That to <laughs> Please write
2: Sarah Elcano and tell her that you want to call it a
1: frenzy at Paul <laughs> Lorenzi. Please write Sarah Elcano and tell her that you want it to be officially a frenzy at Lorenzi. Brought to you by Safeway and the Belligerent Beefs. Yeah. What would be the weirdest sponsor for us to be partners with? RVs. Kind of th- <laughs> that would make sense.
3: <laughs> that would Chicago. be the most
1: normal. <laughs> um, but Oregon State women's soccer finishes the season on Friday, November 3rd against the hated Oregon Ducks at Lorenz Field. Uh, Friday night in Corvallis. Where else would you rather be? Uh, this last weekend, we saw another dominant performance by the coal keeper as they drew Washington State 0-0, uh, 10 saves for Haley Cole, uh, who, who is the coal keeper. If, if you weren't listening to our, our, I think that was two episodes ago. I'm getting um, so
2: lost on the number now. I and like we We're stuck on the same one.
1: Drew with Wazoo two to two earlier in the week. Uh, in that game, McKenna Martinez scored her sixth goal of the season and the 28th of her career uh, in that game against Wazoo, which ties her with Chelsea Buckland for fourth in program history. And in that same game, Megan Turry got her first ever career goal as a beeve. So nice. Let's go. Hell yeah. You know,
2: first of a lot. I imagine. first of a
1: lot, Megan. Yeah, you 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 got to catch McKenna. No, that's that's what this is (laughs) uh, but so congrats to you mckenna on moving up moving up to that list and congrats on a hell of a performance Haley cole the cole keeper once again uh our our oregon state men's and women's soccer finishing up the season you got a few more chances to get out to lorenz and uh support these student athletes so get your ass out there it might be a wet one, and start a frenzy at Lorenzi. Yeah, probably. It's, it's November in the Paris of the Pacific Northwest, so that's just that's what you signed up for. True. I will. I will have no complaints of weather from anyone this week. Yeah. Um, I, got,
2: I also had to point out uh, that uh, Oregon's women's team, especially. Have you guys seen the record? No, what is it? Oh and fifteen and three. Is Fuck yeah.
0: Yeah. Well? <laughs> okay. So that's a good segue into what I that's was gonna gonna bring. That's gonna play up. well in the big Our... ten. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: What an acquisition. Our... Uh <laughs> the, the series, uh the historic series of Oregon State versus University of Oregon women's soccer. And it says that it only goes back to nineteen ninety-nine. So uh, you can't trust uh, these
1: websites with this.
2: Well, this is
0: on Oregon OregonOSUBeavers.com. Oh, I know we, this is
1: what exactly
2: what happened with volleyball right. until Stanford right. put us in our place.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so this I'm going to say this is the official. Uh, you go, you don't get more official than the team's website. We have nine wins. There are four draws, and Oregon has eight wins. So get out to Paul Lorenz. Keep the cheer. The Cheer on our ladies and make sure that we secure at least a draw.
1: If someone makes a coal keeper sign, I will buy you I'll give you fifty dollars worth of local boys. Fifty dollar gift card to the local boys on the line if you make a visible coal keeper sign.
2: And send us a pick uh
1: at least three the three by from five, the five poster section. Board from yeah. the Frenzy at Paul Lorenzi's section. This is my call to action. If you want, you can add like you can like write Coal Keeper over like a brick wall, brick wall mm. print or something. She's a brick wall in front don't, of the goal. Don't tag a brick wall. There's lots of brick walls. Don't t- don't tag an actual brick wall. Just like make a picture a, of a brick wall on a three if you wanted,
2: poster if you want to tag a brick wall that'd be kind of cool yeah hashtag chop them you can't spell it chop them without hope it honestly it's kind of reminds me of the yeah the the hate symbol we covered up uh yeah
0: um, oh yeah but also yeah, it, yeah. Makes you
2: feel, it makes you feel very similar uh to like a I don't know something like you would have seen in the background of like a ninja Turtles uh scene yeah right and you're mm. like they're like walking by, the like, down an of alleyway and it
1: was like Right. coal keeper like his spray painted right. dripping down a brick wall in the background <laughs> yeah i say don't tag any brick walls without uh consent in the corvallis area but if you do see any hate messages already tagged on brick walls feel free to Come cover on. up that tag yeah with a tag that spreads peace and love and encouragement for oregon state all, all tenants of uh the belligerent Beeves practice Mm, we don't practice, so, though. But I mean, like, what? Well, I, I, I would argue we only practice. We are still practicing at, <laughs> <laughs> figuring out how to do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that wraps up, brings us to the end of another uh, spectacular episode of the Blidger Abuse Podcast, the 114th episode of the show. Thank you for sticking with us this long. And happy Halloween, for gosh sakes. If you're not giving out full-size or king-size at your household, hope you're giving out something good. Hope you've got something for the parents as well. Uh, Hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at BellidgeBeeves on Twitter, at BelligerentBeeves on Instagram, and pretty much everywhere else. Let us know what your Halloween costumes are. Uh, Send us any great Halloween pics. If you got them, post them. Uh, Tag us in your social media posts. Hashtag GoBeeves. Hashtag Chop Them. Uh, Let us know how your Halloweens go. One of my favorite holidays. One of all of our favorite holidays. And if you're in Corvallis, the Paris of the Pacific Northwest, have a great goddamn time this Halloween. Have a great goddamn safe time. (laughs) Remember that key tenant of all great Halloweens are safe Halloweens. Can't spell chop them without safe. Can't spell chop them without safe ride. And... Keep, 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 keep your friends in, you know, in your plans. Hold each other down. Look out for each other. Be safe. Have fun, and go, Beeves. Thank you for listening. I'm Terry Horseman at Terry Horseman on Twitter at Terrence Horseman on Instagram. I've been joined on this incredible episode of the Belligerent Beeves podcast by my beloved co-host, as I always am. Benjamin Lawrence Sebastian WeeHage in Tacoma, Washington, aka Benny with the good Quaff, aka Benny Bedlam because he's fucking crazy, folks, aka Benny Bowl Game, aka Benny Blastoff, aka Benny Burner. You can follow him all over the social media channels at BennyL1986. And of course in portland jp bertram at the trio j on twitter that's at the underscore trio underscore j because he's too trial to be real and at jp bertram on instagram thank you again so much for listening please 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 rate and review give us a five-star review five stars only we'd sincerely appreciate it wherever you get your podcast Spotify, Apple, iHeart, Google, Stitcher, Google, YouTube, <laughs> um, YouTube, Podplays. Uh, Yeah, get us on YouTube. You know, we we're trying to we're we're trying to pimp the YouTube a little bit more. We're get, we're g- giving it some more juice day by day. Um, and yeah, please share the show with a friend. Thank you so much for being here one more time. And remember, you can't spell Chop'em without hope. So chop em. Em. Chop them. Chop them. I no longer know what to say at this part.
0: <laughs> and a huge, huge thank you to Sarah Alcano.